I am from the blackest night comes a new terror to strike fear in the hearts of the evildoers. The mask mallard of BS. What's it say? Of BLS dot Anka. This expansion from Ray Najada and Tony Vasita takes you to the city of blessed Anka, where the dark wings of the anti-hero and their sidekicks stalk the night. This dark winged duck inspired expansion includes two new character classes, map of BLS Anka, uh, with featured locations, two new adversaries, two new associates, and half a dozen treasures over which to quack. Hi, welcome to Red Raccoon Radio. I'm John. Jamie's here. So is Ryan's. We're Hello. skipping this whole... Yeah, we're in Bloomington, Illinois. Come to Red Raccoon Games. You know the drill. This is one of the greatest comebacks I think we've experienced on this podcast. For those of you that are just joining us and, and have listened to Jamie and picked up on key words... Uh, we're going to go ahead and start by talking about Duckborg, apparently, because Jamie normally doesn't pick articles. And on occasion, he will send me something when it's time for us to record, and I'll be like, oh yeah, we can throw this in. And he sends me a Kickstarter for Duckborg, which, Jamie, would you like to take a pitch at this? Well, it's based off of Morkborg, right? And Morkborg is kind of a post-apocalyptic a punk metal artwork tabletop RPG system that's got a fairly crazy fanatical fan base. And there's been a bunch of crazy expansions uh, or mods on it so far. We've had Pirate Borg, Orc Borg, Mork Borg. What else we had, Ryan? There's, there's the like 47, 47 demons or whatever. Um, oh, yeah. 40, the, the, yeah, that just big book of demons to, to put in your uh, Mork Borg game. And Ryan said earlier that they believe it's the, it's a, Morkborg is um, open. It's an open mm -hmm. GL game. So, um, so I don't know if it's completely open, but they have a very, like, free use sort of, like, quick licensing agreement that I was looking over. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them are, like, zine style, so mm -hmm. they're just, like, folded and stapled. They're not spined books, right? They're, like, this Duckborg is only 66 pages. This license allows anyone to make stuff for Morkborg and either publish it for free or sell it without us taking a cut. Adventures, hacks, modules, anything goes. Just so that's why we're seeing so much crazy stuff coming up from Warpork. Yeah. And to be fair, the art is really easy to do because all you have to do is go to any high school, find the, the scary <laughs> kids that are drawing in their notebooks for too long and, and really hard ink, and you're going to find your art right there. Yeah. Uh, Listen, you, you, think it, you think it's easy. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, and, and I've joked before that some of the Morkborg-type style books are more focused on artwork than they are on actually making them readable and usable. Um, but this one looks pretty good, and it's it's Duckborg, D-U-K-K-B-O-R-G. And, John, I mean, the Kickstarter campaign, the first headline says, Life is like a hurricane here in Duckborg. <laughs> And did you look at the names of the pledges? I didn't. Okay, so the, the reward levels for this campaign uh -huh. are race cars, lasers, aeroplanes, it's a duck blur. That's the name of the four different campaigns you can pledge for. So Okay. You can't now, see it. Everybody's got a whole theme song going in their head. 
All of us. You can't see it, but John was literally just pressing his temples. I'm, I'm trying to observe. Like, my brain is functioning against me. Because when Jamie first brought this, I was like, Duck Borg. It's just going to be, like, ducks in a uh, space that is just odd. And that's fine. I mean, people like their anamorphics. That's cool. Uh, and then Jamie started talking to me more and more about how this world would work. And now my my DM brain is already functioning like, well, if I was going to run a campaign, like, of course, we'd have to visit St. Canard. And like, of course, <laughs> like, we'd have to find, I think it's the, is it the Suncatcher is the name of their their cargo ship? I always oh, forget yeah. that. And I was like, well, we'd have but to include that somehow. Well, that's why it's going to be like, so I don't know. Is the ship even still there? Okay, so already the bottom of the ocean? in my brain, we're already like we're diving to the ship. We're diving to the ship. Sure, it's a submarine now or we something. Have to go I don't to Scrooge's know. Scrooge's castle, and it's S K R U G G for Scrooge. Which K R U J apostrophe S. Oh, which many people like the first thing that I brought up was, hey, where's Gizmo Duck? Where's Where's Darkwing Duck? And apparently, they're both in here. They're both in there already. So <laughs> the expanded universe. Yeah. Uh, here, okay, here's a question. Now, I really hope we can get this because we've been talking about it for 10 minutes. I, I sent know. them a message earlier like, hey, man, can, how do I buy this for the store? And so I haven't heard back from them yet. But Maybe yeah. we need to do like a bonus episode where we play a game of Duck Borg. And, and that's, that's <laughs> our first foray into side episodes. It now, says that it's uh, once the gleaming jewel of Calicota, the foul... Foul. Yep, wind yep. now blows down the streets of Duck Borg, abandoned by all those but foolish... All but those foolish enough to travel there and those cruel enough to survive. The treasures of long-dead merchant emperors call to you. And so you and your clan have flocked as birds of a feather to almost certain ruin. Mysteries are yours to solve. Histories are yours to rewrite. For every day, you'll be out there facing Duck Thorg. Woo! The Beagle Boys as a post-apocalyptic biker gang just now appeals to me so like much. Like Mad Max style? Exactly. Lots of spray paint and chrome on their teeth. And, of course. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Shiny and new. Um, now, just just to give some reference here of where we're all coming from so, so people can understand, because I don't want to just say, hey, how old are you? Jamie, what is your connection point to DuckTales? When did you watch DuckTales? Uh, when it originally debuted on TV. Gotcha. The original one. I'm still I'm still a little salty about the the new one. I'm 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 not sold on the new one. That's fair. Now I will say that in my generation, we knew of DuckTales, but it was a little bit dated. So they kept on trying to do stuff with the triplets. My generation was very much Goof Troop, so like that's yeah. where we pulled a lot of our kind of anamorphic animal shenanigans. Now Ryan's. Do you have any connection to DuckTales? So this is going to put me in the weeb category okay. really, really fast. Yeah. But I didn't actually watch a lot of like Disney stuff growing up. Okay. I almost exclusively watched Cartoon Network because that was the channel that was for free in my area. Oh, yeah. Um, But I played a lot of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the... Oh, how to... I don't... We don't have time. We don't, <laughs> we have, don't time. have time. This is not the platform for that. Um, but I will say, Jamie, the new DuckTales, I actually watched it. It's really good. They do a lot of good homages. They have a lot of fun with everything. They bring in Gizmo Duck. They bring in... Who is voiced by Lin-Manuel Miranda? Gizmo Duck is? Yeah. Seriously? Seriously. All right. All right. Um, 
uh, I will say Don Cheadle makes a very surprising appearance in the show, but I will not tell you what character that is. Okay. And uh, they even get into the point where Launchpad is like, he's over in St. Canard working with Darkwing Duck, but flies every day to Duckburg to serve as valet for Scrooge McDuck and then back and forth. And the biggest point. Wait, did you say Launchpad? Yeah. Oh, I, I was thinking Gizmo for a second. I'm like, no. wait a minute. No, Launchpad being the sidekick. Okay. And I will say one of the best things about it is they tell you who the mother of the triplets are. Really? Yes. They actually re- reveal Donald's sister. And it's a whole story. Like, a lot it's of people so it was good. Daisy, but Daisy was his girlfriend. Exactly. Yeah. Which she shows up to. Okay. Um, so, you yeah. Know, I think the biggest part of what really kind of bothered me was that I know it's a new series, but they re recorded the intro. And oh. Just, just a new person singing it. In my it's head, true. there is one way that that intro goes. And Ryan can tell you that it has been sung around the store many, many times. Yes. The new one's a banger. And almost everybody, like when I get to the chorus, the entire staff's like, ooh. <coughs> That's how you found out how many people are in the store. You just start singing that, and when yes. you get to that point, you can basically call roll. Yeah. I mean, the store is bigger now, so we have to call each other in weird ways. I got Marco Poloed earlier. That's fair. <laughs> Did you? Yes. I'm if, for, Okay, so obviously we have some some a lot of things going on. Yes. And one of the big things that happened last week because we always talk about what happened in the store last week was the 66 games. Oh, right. That's right. It would have been two weeks. Two weeks was the ribbon cutting. Two weeks ago was the ribbon cutting. Which we talked about a little bit in the past yeah. uh, podcast. We talked, I think last podcast, the ribbon cutting was in two days. Yes, that's correct. right before, the Tuesday before. So, yeah, no, the ribbon cutting went great. Uh, we had the Chamber of Commerce folks out here. We had some of our elected representatives that were here. Tons of folks from the business community. Tons of people from my Rotary Clubs. And then uh, a lot of Kelly's students, either current or past, and a ton of our customers. I don't know, four or 500 people over here? Dude, it, everything was a blur. It was a little crazy. <laughs> I was serving hot dogs. <laughs> Bratwurst. Both. Oh, we did have some hot dogs for the kids, didn't we? Yeah. We tried to do like an Oktoberfest theme um, because the Kelly season. can't not feed people when no. they're here. So we did, um, we did Oktoberfest theme. We, we, our friends over at Keg Grove hooked us up with a keg of their Oktoberfest Marsden style, which was great. Everybody appreciated that. And then um, Kelly made brats with sauerkraut, and she had at least 12 or 13 different kinds of mustard out there for, and pretzel bites with garlic butter on them. And then we had cake because you got to have cake, too. Can't not have cake. Yeah. yeah. Zeta even had little shots for cappuccinos. And then they also were doing um, ice cream samples, too, of their vegan vanilla ice cream to let people know that they have vegan ice creams as well. Options. I like it. You know, options are always good. Yeah. So So it went went pretty solid. Good. And then we rolled out of that right into prep for the 66 eSports tournament, which was this most recent weekend. Um, It's a little-known gem of the community. There's so many things that happen in Bloomington Normal that I think people miss out on. This is one, as I'm part of a group of guys, um, people who started this idea of, you know, it's it's all kind of based around this idea of playful learning, right? Uh That um, uh, people can learn better when they're playing games. We know, and we have taught in schools many, many times the educational aspect of board games, but there's also 
a lot of benefits to video games as well. And since we started this, esports has esports as a high school and college um, thing has completely exploded. You know, uh, Illinois Wesleyan is here in town, and they had one of the first esports programs in the country where you could get a scholarship and go to college for being on the esports team. Quickly followed by Heartland Community College, and now ISU is all on board as well. And they completely did a remodel of one of the buildings at Illinois State University in order to build an esports arena at the university as well. So, so you can get scholarships now to any of those three places. And the, the, the esports tournament started out being League of Legends only, and then we expanded it. A couple years ago, we added on Smash Brothers, Super Smash Brothers Melee. And then this year we added Magic and Pokemon into it as well to try to keep diversifying. So we call it the 66 games tournament now because there's so many different games that are being played. Uh, eight of the teams were invited. There were eight of the top ranked teams in America for the League of Legends tournament. The other eight spots, there was a play in tournament. 32 teams played for those eight spots uh, because the prize pool was not small. State Farm was the main title sponsor. They didn't skimp. <laughs> and so uh, I think the first pra- place on that was 5000 bucks. That's wow. worth coming and spending a weekend with us. And then first place for the um, Smash tournament was $1,000. Um, and then the prize pool for Magic was $1,000. And the prize pool for Pokemon, which was also a Pokemon challenge comp, was, I think, 900 bucks. So it was a... It was a pretty crazy weekend. A lot of stuff going on at the store. Now, Ryan's with this evolution of gaming into the sports arena, I just have to ask, whenever they bring Warhammer into the Olympics, will it be a summer event or a winter event, in your opinion? I feel like it'll be a winter event because the last thing you want is a bunch of sweaty nerds in a room together. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> Keep it cool. <laughs> Keep it cool. Oh, wow. Just went there right off the bat. Just I, I can't no saying. holds barred. Ryan's has no filter, and that's why they are on the podcast today. Yes. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. So speaking of the podcast, we, we normally don't talk about post-apocalyptic Duckburg and, and uh, video games that often at the beginning. Let's talk about something that's a little bit more focused, and that is what has been on our tables lately? What have we gotten to play? Um, I got to play uh, Queen by Midnight for game training. Yes, we've talked about that a little bit on the podcast. And I heard that you whipped Jamie? Uh, I did not. I lost very badly. Oh. um, Because I was not very uh, focused in my attacks. Mm. And that came back to bite me. Ryan was the character I talked about that was the blackmailer. Uh, Dr. Lux. Yes. No, Boss No. Boss No. Boss No. Dr. Lux was who um, Jamie played the first time, and he couldn't okay. figure out how to quite get her to work. Gotcha. Kind of okay. a Jekyll and Hyde story there with um, Dr. Lux's ultimate form is turning into the beast, which was a werewolf. Oh. And I couldn't figure out how to make it work. So the second game I played is Dr. No and tried to blackmail everybody. And I was Ryan was the first killed off when we played that first game. The second game, I was playing Dr. No, trying to blackmail everybody, and I was the first killed off, so. You you gotta focus. It's yeah. it's really bad. I should have I should have drop kicked Basil when we played. It would have been better. Yeah. 
I got Alexis's attention and she destroyed me. Yeah. It's the weird how mother, the Green Mother character can't attack often, but when they do, smack. It's it's not fun. That feels right. Because that's who Katie used to kill me off. So Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what have you been playing? Uh, so I actually had some friends for the Halloween season. Uh, my friend and his girlfriend were like, hey, we want to play something spooky. Hit us up. Obviously, as a spooky board gamer, I had many options. So I went ahead and went with uh, Mansion of Madness. Oh, nice. Uh, an Arkham Horror classic. Uh, so I got out the iPad that I then projected onto the TV in the game room. And we did, uh, it was basically, it was a train episode. So it's kind of like Murder on the Orient Expense, Express, but with like, Eldritch Horror, which is always a fantastic time. Uh, love that game so much. Love how even each time I play it, there's just enough small differences that I don't see coming that are a lot of fun. And it does not hold your hand, which I think that there's a certain point in board gaming when you want that. You want it to be, all right, this can be brutal uh, if you let it be. Yeah. And most of the time, whenever you put Cthulhu in a board game, that's what you're going to get. So, so with since you said iPad, you must have been playing second edition. Correct. The second editions where they added the the automated um, option to the game for that and um, uh, the Lord of the Rings game, Journeys Through Middle Earth. Yes. And yep. Star Wars Imperial Assault. And what's the yep. other one I'm missing? There was four of them that they added that automated. Does Descent to. count? No, Descent no. never got the automated treatment. It should have. No, it does. It oh, no, Descent 3rd Edition does. The newest, the newest one, yes. The newest one does have. Yeah. yeah, that's what the one was. And it's very much video game based. Like, your characters level up. It gives you equipment. There's a whole storyline with it. It's good stuff. I like the fact that if you take too long in your turns, the computer will just keep doing stuff in the background. So if you get into analysis paralysis, the computer doesn't care. It's just going to keep doing things. And if you take too long, you could end up in a very bad situation. Okay, we're going to swing back to video games just for a second because Ryan's, I've been playing Baldur Gate 3 with my friend. Yeah. And it, I did not understand. I've never played as murder hobos. That has never been a forte that I've done. But somehow in this video game, I have accidentally <laughs> made this happen. Seriously? So I will try and be aloof to not give any spoilers, but there's a place where there are two groups and they do not get along. I attempted to alleviate the situation by removing a leader. What I did not realize is that that would start a problem. And much like you were saying, Jamie, while we were trying to decide how we were dealing with this problem, the uh, fighting already began outside and you would see just little blips on your screen of this person's gotten hit for 12 points. This person's gotten hit for six points. This person's dead. And uh, I mean, on the plus side, you get a, a sweet babe to join your party. <laughs> that did happen too. That was a whole experience. We'll talk a little off air about that. I don't want to give any spoilers, but yeah, it's it's such a good game. It's such a good game, Jamie. I really can't wait for you to come and just tell us how good it is. You haven't played it yet, have you? Of course not. Of course not. I I had so many plans, and then Carlac appeared, and I was like, "Well, plans are gone." <laughs> I can't. We need to talk later. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's what, Jamie, have you gotten to play anything lately? Uh, you know what? Since the last podcast, I got to play D&D. Oh, that's <gasps> right. I did. I did. And, um, you know, after the infamous AI episode, <laughs> the players got sucked back into the Dungeons of the Mad Mage. And they're now down on level four. And yeah, this is, it's a kind of a 
it's fun. I can't, I can't, I can't say too much, Ryan, because John's in the game and John it's has true. no idea what's going on right now. Because I found this crazy mod that you take and you lay it on top of Dungeons of Mad Mage, and Halister, the Mad Mage, is hosting a, like an intergalactic game show, and the the, <laughs> the, 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 the your NP your party is the they're the characters, the players of the game show, and they don't know it or know. They don't want to be part of the game show, but they just get, keep getting sucked back in, and they're part of the game show. So, and this uh, this particular episode is the horror episode. So, I my current character has no idea what's going on, but Jamie has. What worries me is that Jamie let us run through a, a very classic campaign called uh, White Plume Mountain, where you get some highly powerful artifacts. Um, just four of them have sen- sentient weapons right now. Nice. I gave one to, to Rhea, our, our previous co-worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has a crazy Netherese general in her sword, and it's fu- very funny for me. So I imagined how well that one's going. <laughs> it would be so much worse if we actually knew what we were doing, because I keep on rereading my weapon, and I'm like, oh, I should have been doing that all this time. Uh, so I, I don't think these weapons are long for our life, but... It also worries me whatever Jamie has planned that he has not chosen to DM these weapons away. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 play with that. I think that's the it's only fun. way you're going to survive. That is so concerning. <laughs> um, but also, there's some things I've kept from you because I might need them later. And if I tell you this now, you'll think of ways around it. That is that is one of the fun I do ways. That I, a lot. Yeah, yeah, when you play with a DM. Go ahead. Um, on on that subject, Hyderabad sword in question. I forgot what he did because he's just part he's just in the module it's fine it's fine there's nothing he's supposed to be there he's supposed to be there did you know that that sword stops people from regenerating hit points like forever for an hour so um yeah she's a troll killer now Yeah, the sword that the sword that John's character is 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 hauling around is a soul drinking sword. Nice. And it gives him temp hit points equal to the number of hit points of what it just killed. And so he just got seventy something temp hit points. No, you took that away from me because you declared something not having a soul. Oh, that's right. Cause yeah. It was a um, it was a rock creature. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, so it was because it was an earth elemental. I know everybody loves. Here's a question. Okay, so I'm gonna throw this out here because I had this idea and I wanted to share with Jamie. I know everybody loves hearing other people's Dungeons Dragon stories, right? No, every day. Like, if you in a very specific circumstance, do you ever want? It's like listening to somebody's dreams. Like, it's not sure. It's kind of cool, but at the same time, you're moving on. But if you're in a very specific mindset, it can be a lot of fun. So here's gonna be my call out to you guys today. If you would come to an event where it was basically like a storytelling night at Red Raccoon, if we got a stage, people could volunteer to go up and we'd have a theme like betrayal or treasure or something along those lines. And people came up and told their D&D stories where we could also have food, drinks, and just casual hangout time with other gamers in the community. Would you come? No. That's what I want to hear. (laughs) Ryan will not be there. But you could be. So if you're interested in this, please go ahead. Send a message in our Discord, which we'll talk more about at the end of the podcast. Um, But yes, that's going to be the call out for today. Now, I'm saying it, so probably no one will respond. If Jamie was saying it, apparently people listen. So this is is now the test. Yeah, right? Um, 
People want to impress I'm, Jamie. I'm more, I'm more annoying than you are, John. Oh, is that what it is? It's not that it's, you're super cool and everybody wants to be your friend? It's actually the tone of his voice. Oh, you think it is? Yeah. So, like, if he's talking anywhere in the store and I have literally someone right in front of me, whatever they're saying doesn't matter. I'm listening to what Jamie's saying. That's fair. My friend was actually able to recognize Jamie based on his voice from the podcast. And it's not that I wouldn't come at all. It's that I have games pretty much every night of the week now. Yeah. You've booked yourself. <laughs> yes, I have. It's a mistake. Wow, that's a lot, Ryan. Yeah. I have a Vampire the Masquerade game that's starting up. I have a Vampire the Ma- Masquerade game that's going. I have three different Dungeons & Dragons campaigns, and I have one uh, Cyberpunk campaign. When are you sleeping? Never. Yeah. <laughs> that checks out. Well, unfortunately... There is even more news that is going to probably keep you up at night. And that is two alliances have been formed in the gaming world that, to be honest, Ken says that he saw coming. Oh, yeah. Ken saw he aimed this a while away. I Ken, Ken mentioned this while we were still at the old store. Okay. Like, to be fair. I, I'll give it to him. Um, but yeah, guess what, guys? Magic's partnering with Marvel. <laughs> Which I just did not ever see happening marvel loves doing their own thing we have seen them partnership with others but they very much make their own thing within it it feels like but i guess maybe that's not true but has rones them both oh is that the case at least for like the toy toy distribution for marvel hasbro has oh mm-hmm. unless that has changed very and recently yeah. Yeah, I knew about Star Wars. Are we going to see Marvel and Star Wars come together? No. That's coming. It's got to come, right? No. Okay, we're going to have a question. Wait, wait, Marvel and Star Wars? Or yeah. Hasbro Magic and Star Wars. Magic and Star Wars. Magic and Star Wars is going to happen there, or did Doctor Who? No, they can't. Why not? Fantasy Flight's doing Star Wars. Fantasy Flight's has right. right to the Star Wars tabletop game. It comes out next year. But what about the fact that there's Marvel Champions from Fantasy Flight? Do they not have an exclusive contract on that? You were saying... Um, Hasbro and Marvel, or Hasbro or Star Wars. Yeah, but... Have we walked ourselves into a circle here? Okay, Okay, so so Ryan's is saying that Hasbro owns Marvel. Is that what you're saying? Marvel's toy line, at the very least. I don't know if they own all of Marvel. I don't think so, because that is Disney. Disney owns Marvel. Yeah. Licenses the toy rights to Hasbro. Yeah. Okay. Right. Disney owns Star Wars. Star Wars licenses the to. miniatures games. Well, Disney licenses toys yeah. and board games to Hasbro for Star Wars. But miniatures games is considered separate than board games, which is why all of the Star Wars games that we have at the store have a ton of minis in the box. If you think about... Um, Oh. You know, Imperial Assault or any Legion, other. Legion, yeah. They all have minis in the box. Minis games are considered separate than board games because Hasbro hasn't made a good Star Wars board game in years. Um, the has, Star Wars Risk actually was kind of cool. It wasn't bad. That was probably the only board game Hasbro has made because all the other Star Wars board games by Hasbro have been aimed at little kids like, mm-hmm. like Loop and Chewy, right? Um, so... They licensed um, toys and board games to Hasbro, but they licensed all miniatures games and now card games 
to Asmodee via Fantasy Flight games. So that's where we got, and role-playing games, right? Because the, the Star Wars role-playing game was Fantasy Flight. Star yeah. Wars, all the minis, board games, and miniatures games are all Fantasy Flight or Atomic Mass, if you want to be... Hyper-specific. Hyper-specific. And, and card games are all Fantasy Flight as well. Do you ever... In, including the Star Wars deck builder game we had come with, a two-player-only deck builder that came out a couple years ago, or was that just yeah. last year? I think either last year. Yeah, so there, uh, Disney has been very, like, very narrow in sp- slicing off the pie to say that you can do this kind of game for this much money and that kind of game for this much money. And, and that is incredibly Disney-esque. Oh, 100%. Um, do you ever think about the, the corporation trees and you just sit there and be like, eh. Yeah. So I don't see I don't see um, Star Wars being able to come into Magic. I, yeah, I don't see that happening anytime soon because the, that's a separate licensing thing, and I think that Asmodee is holding on to that with tooth and nail. I would assume so as well. Yeah, Marvel though surprised me because they have Marvel Champions, which I don't know how well it's really doing, but I know that there's a pretty strong fan base online that I've at least seen. Um, so they must even be slicing it even more narrow to LCGs versus TCGs, right? Yeah. Because yeah. LCG is inherently not collectible. Mm-hmm. Buy one package and you get everything. TCGs or CCGs, same thing, right? Yeah. Trading card game, collectible card game. Those are inherently collectible by default. I guess I hadn't thought about Marvel Champions. That is a card game. Yeah. So if you want to know more information, uh, this article is coming from Dicebreaker. Marvel's pop culture uh, domination spreads to Magic the Gathering in 2025. Uh, And it's written by uh, Chase Carter, who has written so many great articles that we've referenced on this podcast. All Um, we really know right now is it's a Universes Beyond product, mm -hmm. which we've seen Warhammer. We saw Lord uh, of the Rings. Lord of the well, yeah, with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, we just had Doctor Who. Yep. The next one's going to be Fallout. Yeah. Specifically, Fallout Three and after, um, they're not going to try to do anything with Fallout One and Two, which is they were very different games. Very, Fallout yeah. Different studios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because they were the, those were overhead basically RPG games, and and this is a first person RPG kind of game. RPG shooter, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, um, uh, what else did they, they know something else, too, I'm forgetting. There was something else for Universes Beyond. They did, we did Secret Layers with Walking Dead and um, the Stranger Things. Fortnite. We've got Jurassic Park coming in. Yeah. So, yeah, there is a Fortnite Universes Beyond. Um, Oh, Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy. Isn't there a Final Fantasy one? Yes. For Marvel, what we know so far is we know there's going to be Commander decks. Yes. Is, is where most of the universes beyond stuff is going. Yeah. We know there's going to be commander decks. We know there's going to be um, collector's boosters. After that, we don't know anything else. They've hinted that this is going to be very similar to the release of the Lord of the Rings series, that that's the uh, the expansion it will go to. So it's not just going to be commander decks. It'll be also, there'll be boosters. And Well, excuse me, we're not doing boosters anymore, which I guess is kind well, we of new. We do. Is we it, just, yeah. Just, it's just now one form instead of two. Gotcha. Which, yeah, we probably should talk about that. Let's talk about that real quick. This is a great segue. I did not prepare an article for this, but it's been kind of big news that have actually changed. So Wizards of the Coast came out and said, hey, you Magic players, are you tired of being confused on what packages you should buy? We'll simplify that. And for more information, I'll look to Ryan's. Yeah. So um, 
for at least a couple of years since I've been working here, we've had both the draft booster and the set booster. And what is the supposed difference between the two? So the difference is how many cards are in the pack and what the rarity distribution of those cards is. In a traditional uh, draft booster, you've got one rare or mythic rare. Um, I think you have like five uh, uncommons and the rest are, uh, three uncommons, the rest are commons. Um, And basically you're supposed to uh, use these packs to draft out um, decks for like pre-release events or like um, just like draft events at home. Um, Set boosters are supposed to be the more like collectible version. Um, You can have anywhere between one and five rares depending on the set. Um, up Sometimes to seven you get different treatments. Yeah. Um, and you can get the list cards in there, which list or reprints of old magic cards that are can introduce some serious levels of chaos and what's going on. Yeah. But and you but you can't actually draft with them. It doesn't work. Um, you also get uh, an art card in each of them. Um, but I guess they're going to basically uh, blend the two of them together. And it looks like they're going to be more like set boosters, but they're putting them into a more draftable format. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, they're calling the new ones play boosters. So draft and set will both go away. Mm-hmm. We'll only have this new type of booster called play boosters. And those boosters will have potentially still multiple slots where you could get more mythics or, um, you know, rares or mythic rare cards in there but you'll still get enough um, of the commons and uncommons where you can still actually run a draft. The price is gonna go up because they're gonna be priced the same as set boosters. Set boosters have been more expensive, and um, which is, means that our Friday Night Magic drafts are gonna have to get more expensive because the price of the packs is going up. Pre-releases, which use the draft boosters right now will have to go up as well because the price is going up on a per pack level. Yeah. But as a store owner, as a store uh, employee, it's going to make our life a heck of a lot easier having one less type of booster to explain to people because we've had to explain this, I don't even know how many times. Every thousands day. of times. What's the difference? Do you want, to, do you want draft or do you want set? Well, well what's the difference? Customers have had to explain the difference to me. And the rare times that I've worked, they'll be like, I just want a set booster of that. And every time, every time, no, that's not, that's a draft booster. I need a set booster. Oh, no, sorry. I meant, yeah. So it's always been confusing to me. This is actually, I'm glad that I'm finally figuring it out right before they disappear. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Honestly, my personal favorite thing is that um, as time goes on, our uh, card packs are going to be more... Um, space efficient ah <laughs> uh, yes like the dispensers yes yeah just like ah one for every set <laughs> yeah i would like to see jump starts also go away uh and, me too and then we would be down to collector booster and play booster this one you play with that one you collect with that's the difference now this one's less expensive you play with it this one's more expensive it's a collector now from a business standpoint why do you think wizards of the coast is making this decision um, because everyone has been mad forever. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm just saying, people have been mad at Wizards of the Coast for a lot of things, and we have seen very little change. I was wondering what really you guys thought sparked this. So, on the one hand, we can we can drag Wizards every day. More than happy. <laughs> we try and avoid Dungeons & Dragons so much on this podcast. It's just so hard. But, um, 
we have seen changes just due to community backlash. Um, the easiest thing to bring up is the OGL agreement. Mm, fair um, enough. We have seen a lot of movement as far as just like what is essentially going to be the easier path. Um, either for them to get out of our wallets or whatever else. Um, on the same note, I'm interested to see how many like universes things that they intend to do for how long. Um, because I have heard a lot of uh, disgruntled chances specifically about um, how, how many sets we're going to have. It's like, okay, it, can we get back to magic, please? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think a lot of it is that, like, unification of what we're looking at, what sort of products we've got, less, less, confu- less confusion, quicker uh, either purchasability or just less frustration. I think they wanted to increase the prices. I mean, that's fair, too. I, I mean, think that's what this really came down to is, you know, we've had, we had packs, which were draft packs, essentially. We had these packs for, God, well, for 20-something years, right? And they were, they were $3, then they were 3 and a quarter, then they were three fifty, then they went to $4, and they stopped at $4 for a decade. They hadn't had a price increase in terms of an MSRP price increase to the customer for a decade. Well, prices got more expensive along the way, and what Wizards of the Coast did is like, oh, no, no, we're not changing the MSRP to the customer, but we're raising the price to you as the store owner. And so we were, store owners were definitely feeling the squeeze as our prices kept going up, but Wizards was advertising to customers, no, there's still $4 packs, right? And so, so we've got that going on. At the same time, your big box stores were like, we don't care. We're just doing full margin on them. And big box stores were now charging four and a quarter, then four fifty as it went along. At the same time, store owners were saying, "You can't keep raising our cost. You have to re- tell the customers that you're you're raising the MSRP." So instead of raising the MSRP, what they did was they introduced this new pack called the set pack. Look at all these additional cards that you're going to get in this set pack, these new combinations, more rarities, um, more value for your purchase. You shouldn't buy draft boosters anymore if you're going to just be opening them for packs because draft and sealed aren't the most popular ways to play Magic. You know, even here uh, we get 12 to 16 people for draft, but we get 30 for a commander, right? Yeah. So commander players and a lot of players will open packs just to get cards out of them. They don't care about if it's playable or not. They just want the cool cards. Set boosters, look at this. And oh, by the way, at the same time, we're getting rid of MSRP. We don't have an MSRP anymore. So stores can't complain. You need to talk about this to customers. You, They just got rid of MSRP rather than talk to customers about the fact that, hey, the world has gotten more expensive as we've lived in it. They just got rid of it altogether. So set boosters came out at a higher cost to stores. So of course stores, we had to charge more. And I think the most common price for set boosters is $5.99 if you're buying at a per pack price. And so then now they're making two products, drafts and sets. Drafts, I mean, we were counting here. We would do the math like, okay, we have 12 weeks until the next um, release. 
So we need to get this many boxes of draft to do the five night drafts because now nobody wants to buy a draft pack when the set packs are for $2 more, you could get four rares instead of one rare. So we were calculating out doing the math and so was every other store with a lot of stores ordering zero drafts if that wasn't a popular format at their store or very limited amount. Now we've got to the point where we're two years into this or three years in and I think Wizards is like, and now we can just make that go away completely. They don't have to make new boxes. They don't have to worry about separate shipping. They don't have eliminating a skew from their product lineup actually saves them a bunch of money. And now they're going down to one pack and they're saving money. We get what we want and, and everybody's happier. And they emerged out of it with a, with a higher price pack. So, which is still going to be cheaper than Disney or Lorcana. Right. At $6 a pack, it's going to be cheaper than Lorcana because Lorcana is going to be $7 a pack for who knows how long. Whenever we, whenever you get it. Whenever yeah. you can actually Pokemon keep it in stock. Pokemon their prices. Digimon's. I mean, everybody's going up in prices because the world, we just experienced a massive amount of inflation. And everybody's going up in prices. And speaking of everyone going up in prices, that's an excellent segue into our next article because this is not just affecting Wizards or card games, it's also affecting the RPG space as well. Uh, Because from Dicebreakers, once again, an article, again, by Chase Carter, that man never stops, uh, Pathfinder and Starfinder RPG books will be more expensive starting next year. Uh, Publisher Paiso announces the price increase for all but core rule books due to economic factors like inflation i do think it's funny that like they they let wizards take the heat for this one for like two months <laughs> <laughs> and then they're just sneaking on in right underneath it yeah. it's like oh wizards wizards is making their books more expensive boo it's like also we're doing it too <laughs> yeah yeah the, um starting with the uh below fan delver book they raised the price of, you know, most of the books for D&D had been $50, mm-hmm. and they raised the price to 60 And here comes Starfinder, like Ryan said, waiting two months, and they're raising the price on, on the bigger books are going to be 60 um, Keeping the core rule books cheap, that seems like that's a smart way to go. Get yeah. your entry fee. But, I mean, if you think books are heavy and dense, the shipping costs have gone crazy, I mean, shipping is probably one of the biggest things driving all of this. You know, it, it, it came down for a while after COVID, but shipping has gone back up in price. And books are thick and heavy and dense, and you pack a bunch of them in a box. And you can tell when you pick up a box full of books, right, when the new release comes out. As a person that graduated with an English degree and then a lot of friends who are active readers, I stopped helping people move because I knew they had libraries, and I was not going to help with that anymore. That's I was down. Yeah. Because it's always the box of books that you don't expect to be heavy that will crush your back. Especially if you're foolish and pack it in the same size boxes you put all the pillows in. Yep. Yeah, you got to pack those books in small boxes. I, I have that guessing game every single day. I just pick up things that the UPS guy dropped off and I go, oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ryan tips over. But in, uh, something I thought was interesting that I want to point out from the article, too, is they raised the price of the PDF versions as well. Yes. We still have a, we have a, a smaller but still pretty active Pathfinder Society and Starfinder Society group that plays here. And those modules, they, um, they still have to buy the module that they're going to run for whatever particular session that they're doing. And the price on those PDF modules is going up uh, $2 per module as well. 
So that leads into, lends itself to the fact that um, it's not just physical books, it's digital that's going up to be more expensive as well. Because Pathfinder, if we remember from podcasts a couple of years ago, maybe 18 months ago, Pathfinder, uh, Paizo Workers United. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Hell yeah. They, they unionized, and I'm sure that when that happened, salaries went up and working conditions changed, hours you could work somebody probably changed, they probably had to add on some more staff. They've got higher costs on the backside, and they they've gotta they've gotta recoup those costs somehow to remain a solvent company. So that was just something because there's even a quote in the article from the I think it's Paizo United Workers or something like that is the name of the union. It's at the it's a, like one of the last paragraphs of the article, and they were one of the things that they announced on there as well is that they're going to start sourcing from sustainably sourced trees. Yes, Ooh, that's the, nice. Yes. Not fully Not recycled. recycled. Yeah. Because they said fully recycled trees would change the paper too much and change the look and feel of all the books too much. They're, they're recy- uh, using sustainably sourced trees for the paper, which means they're not going to take old growth, which we now know that old growth forests have ecosystems that we just can't disturb by cutting them down and growing them over and over again. Um, so it was interesting interesting news kind of that was slid in there as like us also but i think for me that that kind of is a i would have led with that and go we're doing sustainably stores trees by the way raise the price (laughs) yeah Yeah, no kidding uh the what the representative from united paizo said was we're glad to see paizo making changes to improve the environmental sustainability of our products and to be moving away from the u-line of our shipping supplier we encourage paizo leadership to continue to make customer friendly choices like this in the future we don't have any comment on the price increases and how it will affect workers, the representative said. Yeah. So, and paper is such an interesting topic all by itself because one of the things that we were talking about, we, we brought in some copies of, um, you say, is it Vassin? Uh, Vasin. Vasin, yeah. And that's from Free League Press. Mm-hmm. And uh, Free League Press and Modifius have both switched to a different type of paper that is not... I think the big difference is it's not glossy paper anymore, and the books are so much lighter. It's yeah. a thicker book, but it is lighter than a, a, a smaller um, D&D or Pathfinder book. It's just interesting that the, the we're, we're hopefully using less trees to make thinner paper to get our habit or get our fixes in. And one of the things I've always appreciated about Paizo is while I like the uniformity that Wizards brings to their books, because, you know, if you always buy the red labels, they're going to look nice. If you always buy the alternate copies, they're going to look nice. Paizo did try and change things around. They tried to make smaller versions of the books. They tried to do different sizing, different pricing to try and make sure that this was fitting a price point that maybe uh, Wizards of the Coast just wasn't going to try and meet. So in my mind, this makes a lot of sense for this company to be like, well, we're going to start changing around the prices, but that's because we're trying to do new and different things. Yeah, the pocket guides were pretty popular when they came out. I think they mostly only released the core books, but mm-hmm. they were pretty well received. You have the nice hardcover that sits on your shelf at home, and a lot of people bought a pocket guide as well. When they put them out, they also included the errata for, for that particular guide as well, which is nice. And it was just a physically smaller form factor to throw in a backpack and take with you somewhere. Yeah. I, uh, admittedly, I have a nice uh, tabletop gaming backpack that I bought here. Um, so all of my D&D books fit very nicely. 
and I take it for granted a lot. I wasn't thinking about it. Yeah. It's like, don't don't your books fit in your bag? It's like, oh right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget. I was an English major at Eastern Illinois University. For those of you that went there, know that we have a textbook rental system. You don't have to buy, but that does mean that two times a year I would have to go and like bring one bag filled with seven bags because I had to carry all of my books back. And it was a nightmare for English classes. Um, Did you need a dolly at that point? You, I started working at textbook rental just so that I could take it like in increments. I didn't have to take it all at once. That wasn't the only reason, but yeah. Did you guys ever run into that issue where you get the professor who decides to switch books and so therefore you can't bring that book back? Oh, no, because it was a rental system, so it didn't yep. matter. At ISU, yeah, I had multiple times where I was planning on selling a book back, and then the professor changed the book, and we went to a new edition, and then you couldn't return that book, and you couldn't get any credit back for it. Uh, I had a professor that one time uh, signed specific, like, we all had to get the same, like, basically, they were like pamphlets, kind of, they were kind of books. We all had to get the same one, but each student got assigned a different one to read. So all of us had to get all of the books and carry them back, but we only needed one for whatever we do. Uh, and then also I got assigned the book that my teacher actually wrote, and then I had to give a presentation on. Uh, I will never forgive him to this day. Uh, Dr. Hansen, I shake my hand at you. I mean, valid. <laughs> I shake my hand at you. Yes. I the, bite my teeth at you. <laughs> yes. Uh, so bite my thumb. Bite my thumb, I think. Is bite my thumb at you, sir. Yes. Do you bite your thumb at me? Not at you, sir, but I do buy my thumb. Look at that. Ryan's bringing some culture to this podcast. <laughs> I like it. Hey, it's important to learn how to insult people Shakespeareanly. Yes, because sometimes you just need to add a little bit of class to your insults. Oh, yeah. My personal favorite is all the dick jokes. Yes, always and forever. Uh, I have a mug that's all of Shakespeare's like made-up ways of insulting people. And nice. It's really nice. Speaking of RPGs... I have one that I want to bring up because this is kind of a personal thing that okay. I've heard at from a distance. I've never actually seen one of these before, but it's getting a reprint. And I was hoping that you guys would talk to me about it. And that is an RPG called Invisible Sun. Now, have either of you heard of this before I brought up this article? Nope. At first I have heard of it, but I've never actually seen one. Yeah, I haven't either. I thought we were talking about Fading Suns at first, and then I was like, oh, no, this is completely different. And then I read it, and I was like, oh, no, I kind of want to play it. Yeah, so I heard about Invisible Suns a long time ago. I can't even date you right now. I think it was the first run that it came out. And it was almost a mythical way of describing an RPG. Everything I read about it gave me so much information, and none of it was usable. Yeah. And so I was intrigued, obviously. It comes in a giant black box. All of the books, all of the maps, everything just in a giant black box. And it's made by Monty Cook. Now, that's a name that you've probably heard multiple times if you've been in the gaming community. He's worked for Dungeons & Dragons. He uh, did his own version of World of Darkness for a little bit. Uh, He then spun off and has been doing his own things for a while. I think he's one of the names of uh, the gaming space. Yeah, it's like a lot of, um, they did a, they've done a lot of 5e modules as mm-hmm. well as their own IP as well. So Numeria was one that oh, we, yes, yes, we yes. had in for a long time. 
Uh, we also used to carry, I think they might have stopped publishing it, but No Thank You Evil is the our intro to RPG game for little kids. I think it was on back order for a really long time, but we've got more in. Okay. At least a little bit. Yeah, so... Restock um, Ryan's here for answers. Yeah, yeah, basically. Literally Ryan's job, right? Yep. Ryan is in charge of logistics of making sure everything gets stocked on the floor. And also sorted into the stock room. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so in the vein of Wreck-It Ralph and Fix-It Felix, there is Restock Ryan. Absolutely. Awesome. So... <laughs> one of the my name has to be installed here. <laughs> um, so Invisible Sun, I actually have gotten to hear it played by, and I've brought up his name, he is still like my dream guest. He is my Moby Dick of, of guests for this <laughs> podcast, and that is James D'Amato who runs the um, One-Shot Podcast Network. They did a one-shot with Invisible Sons, and they actually brought in somebody from Monte Cook Games to run it. And one of my favorite... I'm not going to spoil anything from that episode. You should definitely listen to it because it is surreal. But the very first caveat the person from Monte Cook Games gave before they played was that they are very firm in saying that there is nothing magical and mystical about this game. That all coincidences that you feel, like somehow the cards that you choose or the actions that happen or the randomness of this game is somehow mystically inclined, they will deny and they will never respect if whatever belief you have about how this works. <laughs> That's kind of great. It is, because as they played the game, one of the elements is you don't necessarily play with dice. You play with a specific set of basically tarot cards. And whatever the tarot card is, you use as inflection on what happens in that moment. So it could be you pull a feather card. Maybe that means you grow wings. Maybe that means that you run away. Maybe that means you become light as feather. It doesn't really tell you. You have to interpret it. But oftentimes, the cards as they were playing did weirdly correspond with whatever they were doing. And and the, the preface they gave became more and more apparent that in playtesting, they kept on running into this over and over and over again. I would highly suggest it again. One Shot Podcast by James D'Amato, Invisible Sun. It says, a role-playing game of surreal fantasy, secrets, and magic that is truly magical. Wield fabulous powers as you uncover the secrets of reality itself. And and so this is coming back to Kickstarter. We are going to try to get it at the store. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get it or not, so you'll have to watch and see. Because the cube is the big, crazy package, right? This yeah. is probably a $500 box. Yep. Because it's got the core book. It's got, like, every expansion. It's got tarot decks and maps and art and NPCs and statues. And there is uh, just a ton of stuff. Four hardcover books with covering 600 pages of game and setting. A thousand cards uh, that are the equivalent of 200 pages of content. The Sooth deck, which is the tarot deck. The Path of the Sun game board. The Testament of the Sun resin cast figure. Tokens and a uh, custom set of dice. Cloth maps. GM's notebook. Character tones. Character grimoire pad. Pre-gen characters. Handouts. Props. Art books. And then, oh, by the way, we're going to throw in an app at the end as well. I don't think there's going to be any other options with this game. I think it is just the box. You don't think box. they're just going to make like a core book? No, and really? I think that's part of why this game is so special. I think they print a very small amount, 
And I think that they print it as a complete collection to make it this mythical, magical thing that only it, it's it's rare to see. It's even rarer to play. I I'm very interested in what the sort of like complexity level is. The article seemed to think it was very, but also, are we talking GURPS or are we talking something less? Because I'm willing to try anything less. <laughs> Again, I will I will point you to listening to the podcast because I want to give James Motto all the love I can so that someday he hears about us. But <laughs> even in their playthrough, the system itself is not fully illustrated. Like, they play it. And they're using the tarot, and they're planning to go along with that. But, yeah, it's... Interesting. It's a unique play style that I've never seen since. So So you're saying we have to get Ariel in on this? This is, this is a game made for Ariel. I know, This right? is a game... If you have come into the store and you've gotten to meet Ariel, who we'll probably have on most likely next podcast or the next one after that, uh, this game is... She loves props. I've gotten to start into a game that she's doing right now, and she does a fantastic job and is way too self-deprecating about it. Um, but Agreed. this is that same type of feeling where it is it is an immersive RPG. And not in the sense that, oh, I'm wearing VR goggles, just that everything about it, you're playing it as you go. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking it up because I've never gotten to play it. But it's out there. It's only one way to know, John. I know, I know. Saving up money. Because it's probably going to be a five hundred dollar box, and then after I think it was three hundred dollars like ten years ago when I first saw it. So, yeah, it was. I kept my eye on it for a while before it all sold out. And the black box, it's not colored. It doesn't have the name on it. It's just a black cube. A black cube. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. It'll look like ass next to all of my beautiful D and D books. Exactly. <laughs> um, but that's just what it is. It's. It's a unique piece. So I just want to put that out there. It'd make it harder to find, maybe, but I wanted people to be aware, especially seeing how we have other game store owners. I would love to hear if they have any experiences with this either. Um, yeah, we keep finding more and more game store owners that are listening to our podcast. So oh, really? Hey guys, how are you? Hey. You know, nice of you to join us. You know, hope that uh, things are going well in your shop and you're getting ready for the holidays. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, yesterday, Nick from Lunar Landing Games reached out to me, and um, he had told me that they have been listening. He's been listening to the podcast, and congratulations on the ribbon cutting because he heard us talking about it and, and saw it on Facebook. So, uh, their Lunar Landing is right outside of Tacoma, Washington. Oh wow! So they're East Coast or West Coast. I I never oh, <laughs> Let's not start that, Jamie. Let's not let's not get involved. And I don't know if that's still going on. Uh, Jamie is now trying to make his hands do weird signs. We're not gonna we're not gonna take photos of that. Um, I will say I never started this podcast to, to get like a huge audience. I knew that we would never be uh, my brother, my brother and me, or uh, what the other. What? <laughs> They're another big <laughs> podcast. They the, the, they the do the McElroy. The, the McElroys, the adventures zone and all of that or we can we can be like uh raising heights is that the new one that's the kelsey brothers oh i haven't heard of this yeah, one yet that's the it's the number one podcast in the world right now because the one brother is dating taylor swift oh, oh yeah. that so, checks so, out yeah okay and, yeah so, yeah, so the, that's the secret to success <laughs> date taylor swift yep <laughs> yeah let's get a celebrity <laughs> it's, you're gonna have to take this one for the team Oh, darn. Ryan's. 
you and Taylor, you let us know when it happens, okay? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I will say is that... That would make I, an interesting song if they broke up, though. Because <laughs> we are never, never, never getting back together. You just gave that to me. Like, I have that record. That is not even the beginning of the episode I hope I catch. Like, I now have that. Uh, but anyways, what I was saying was, I never explained this to be a huge podcast, but I wanted it to be a strong community. I wanted it to be the people that were actually interested were going to be here. And I'm glad that store owners especially are, are enjoying their time with us. And if you are driving right now, hey, go take a break. Like, pull over to a gas station. Just get yourself a drink. And if you're playing disc golf, just remember, it, it's, it's about the wind. You don't have a lot of the season left. Just go out there and enjoy yourself. Man, what a nice day today, though. Oh. I hope, uh, you know, we're recording a podcast right now. I hope somebody is out playing disc, disc golf. We're in Tuesday, and it's the best weather ever. It's the end of October, and yeah. it's 72 degrees. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the people that live in Illinois are just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. got out to Allerton on Sunday, and I've never had quite a perfect day for hiking, but wow. it was there. Yep. Yeah. If you guys, at Allerton Park, have you ever been there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Monticello? Okay. Yeah, yeah, Monticello. It's not easy to get to from Bloomington, but it is worth it for a day of just, it's, I guess this guy just started building his playground for Weird, crazy art. things, yeah. And then when he passed away, he left the whole thing to the U of I, University of Illinois, who's been taking care of it for like 30 or 40 years. And you just kind of walk through forests and then, bam, you randomly pop out into a gray uh, uh, glade with a a 50-foot tattoo of Apollo as the sun god praising, reaching for the sun. And and then you, you twist down another path and you find standing stones back in the corner. And If you want inspiration for a D&D game, go walk around Allerton Park. It'll come to you. Like, oh, yeah. it will, you will have the whole entire setup right there. It sands the five uh, feet spaces. It's pretty much all an RPG map. It's true. Um, my personal favorite statue out there is the Last Centaur. Which means you have to walk there. There is no driving. You must walk. It makes me sad sometimes. <laughs> but I will go see it every time. It is uphill both ways. <laughs> it's way out in the back, too, isn't it? Yep. It's like right in the middle of the park. Yeah. So no matter what side you're coming in from, you got to go all the way into the middle. Yeah. So if hiking just isn't your thing and board games are, instead of going to Allerton Park, you can come on to Red Raccoon where we have a bevy of new games. That we can explain to you in the new hotness, which I just sent photos to oh, both of okay. you. Yeah, I was, just saying, I was just impressed with you casual dropping bevy in like that. Like, wow. I got an English degree. I have to use it once a month or they revoke it. Um, <laughs> so speaking of RPGs, I, I have not gotten to look at this much, but there was a little little RPG that was on the stand called The Bureau. And immediately I looked at it and I said, what's this about? And I opened it up and I haven't gotten to read it that much, but immediately I said, this feels like the video game Control. And I looked at the back, and it one of its themes is from Control. I don't know if it's part of a larger game or if it's just a, a mini RPG, but I'm absolutely loving it. I believe it's a little standalone one. That's beautiful. Um, it reminds me a lot of like a Delta Green-esque sort mm. of thing. Um, but similarly, it seems very interesting for being, you know, like teeny tiny it is just a small little waif of a thing but it looks a lot of fun yeah. it has kind of that uh kind of what you got from control some of what you got if you've watched the tv show severance on apple tv which i highly suggest season two should be coming along soon and it is it is twin peaks in a uh office setting it's amazing 
Um, so I would highly recommend that. Um, let's see what else is on there. Drinking with wizards, warriors, and dragons. That is a fantasy-based book of for making mixed drinks at your house. <laughs> it's, it, I th- I, I'm not sure if it's the same guy or not, but last year we had um, the Necro Nom Nom Nomicon for cookbook. I remember this, and yes. Dungeon Meister, which was the accompanying kind of drinks book. And they were both, neither of them had pictures in them. They had very creepy Cthulhu-esque art style for illustrations. illustrations and all the way through it. And this one then, as opposed to taking theme from horror novels and books and movies and stuff like that, has all its inspiration for the drinks is from fantasy. So it's Game of Thrones and Rings of Power and The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and Foundation. And so it's really kind of leaning more fantasy side in this one. So that's the drinks book. And we do have um, a new version of Heroes Feast coming out. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Hero Feast. We sold. I think we sold like a hundred and eighty copies of Hero Feast. We sold a crazy. lot. Hero Feast is the D and D cookbook. The D and D cookbook, and now there's a, a a new one across the plains, right? Uh, so it's kind of we'll, we'll have to see what's going on in the new book, but it should be out before Christmas. I ordered a bunch the other day. Nice. I did see that we have um, uh, another entry box into Crisis Protocol. Yes, that is the uh, new version. So it's got, um, I believe, a whole bunch of little, little like pickup teams that okay. you can use. It's a little easier to get started. Yeah. So one box, and you get multiple small team skirmish. I mean, the whole game is kind of small team skirmish, but one box you can put multiple teams together. Um, much like if you remember when Shatterpoint came out, right? You got all the characters to build. You know, four teams by default out of the box, and then you could kind of mix and match a little after that. Mm-hmm. This is kind of taking that same approach with Crisis Protocol and making an easy entry point. We got a nice little group of guys that are hanging out playing Crisis Protocol, and the paint um, jobs that they've got on their minis are pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, not all of them. Some of them are done awesome, and some of them are like, that. it's primer gray. Yep. Right, which is fine. That's all my stuff still primer gray. They asked me to to vote in one of their yearly like painting contests. Some of them are exquisite. Yes. (laughs) One of my friends, good friends, Jason, listener of the podcast, uh, he actually got me started uh, in trying Crisis Protocol. It's one of those things that is on my list to invest in. uh, Whenever I find that you know that one perfect figure that I want to build my team around. But the sculpts are amazing. The sculpts are incredible, and the gameplay is actually really fun and feels very heroic. I, and that's one thing that sometimes gets me about, especially all the Marvel games that comes out, especially ones where it's it's obviously a game that they've just themed around Marvel, and it doesn't really feel like you're playing as a superhero. I remember there was, um, oh, of course, great story. There was one game where you only get to use your superpower once as a superhero, and that doesn't feel heroic, and I don't like it. But in Crisis Protocol, I felt each unique person had the abilities that I expect them to have. And that was incredible. Yes. Uh, I'm also uh, digging the fact that there's the Sentry big box on the bottom shelf over there too. So Sentry is a game that was kind of this unusual entry. I think it's, is it Portal Games that made that one? Or Plan B? I think maybe it's Plan B. And uh, it's, there was three Century games, and but then there was rules that if you bought all three of them as they released, you could combine them all to play one kind of crazy bigger game. 
and now they release the big box to make it so that all your components come in a single box and you can kind of get this, you know, parts of it are worker placement and parts of it are either different game styles. And now it's all in one bigger box as the Century games. I'll wait for the Century Golem Edition big box. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, that's that's what. Yeah, a lot of Century itself. The original theme was very much based around the kind spice of, trade. Yeah, and that a lot of the pieces are about moving and trading spices as you go. Uh, they realized that that might not be the most popular theme, so they've released it in multiple different versions. Uh, there's a Gollum edition. There's there's a third edition, isn't there? It's Gollum. No, it just it's regular and Gollum. Yeah. Oh. So there's an entire line of either one. Um, so all the Gollum ones, I think, go together, and all the regular go to that. Yeah, my face was because I just don't like all the shelf space of having the stock basically two copies of two different versions of the exact same game. Fair, yes. fair. Um, and you were right. It is Plan B Games that does the publisher. Okay. Uh, Mr. Torg's Arena Badassery showed up <laughs> as well. From Gearbox's Borderlands. Yeah. Uh, I made a video and I told Ryan I was going to try to do the entire video as Mr. Torg and just be like screaming. Because he's very much channeling like his Hulk Hogan or... Oh, yeah. Or... Macho uh, Man. Macho Man. And really I made savage. it three sentences before my vocal cords <laughs> tried to like launch themselves out of my throat. It was like... I was like, I, I can't do this. It was very entertaining, though. Um, we have the uh, standard version. We've got the the box plus the um, pledge goals as well as Moxie. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then the Anybody full... Anybody who plays the game knows who Moxie is. Yes. And then the full uh, ultimate retailer's pledge, which we learned is slightly larger than the actual like ultimate badassery pledge. Um, so you get extra stuff if you mm. buy from your local game store. <gasps> what a perk. Yeah. I know, right? For the holiday season, we do now have a new expansion for Betrayal, A Thousand on the Hill, third edition. Yeah, uh, the, I don't... the mini is super creeptastic for Santa Claus on that one. <laughs> it's like, whoa. That's, well, this it is a horror game, and so if we're going to take Santa Claus and add him to the game, he's got to be pretty horrific. Now, is he Santa Claus or is he Krampus? It... Looks like Santa Claus. Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's Krampus. Honestly, I just... It's slightly on topic, but I want to know how the artist who did the covers for the limited edition gift set for Dungeons and Dragons ended up on the Betrayal team. I, I think I need he to know. sold enough covers that they just hired him over, like, hey, do a cover for this box, too. Well, he's done two now. Yeah. And he did the werewolf one, too. Yeah. And it's very nice. But, uh, yeah, I haven't played Betrayal with the expansions yet. So I'm, I'm very interested to see if I can pick one up and get mm-hmm. it on the table. We can make that happen. I've got the werewolf one. I haven't gotten a chance to play it. In my personal opinion. My um actually moment. Um, um actually. Um actually. Uh, I felt like the second edition, uh, while flawed, the haunts are a lot more spectacular. Like, I like that not all the rules are sometimes there because it's up for interpretation. Um, but I feel like the third edition is very much more concrete in the rules and a little bit more guided. And the haunts aren't as, I don't know, uh, over the top as, as they have been in the past, which is good for people just playing that game. I, I feel like play the third edition once you master it. Go back to the second edition. So I, I will say that I really like the third edition. I'm pretty sure I've only played the first and the third. Okay. So from my 
my experience with the first edition, third is way more smooth. Oh, very <laughs> much so. Yes. Um, so I really like third edition. Agreed. Uh, but, yeah. Um, I saw something called The Sound Game, and that looks like a little box that could be a lot of fun. Does anybody know anything about that? I think you make yeah. noises, and people have to, like, interpret what you're what you're on about it it sounds it, it's well it sounds the sound game sounds like um something similar to like it a game like... like taboo but you can't use your hands at all you have to keep your hands behind your back and i think i'm gonna have a real serious issue playing that game oh you think it'd be really funny you think <laughs> seeing how during this podcast it is impossible to get you to like stay in front of the microphone or move the microphone along with you yeah i can see how that's a problem jamie we'll I get mean, some handcuffs for you you could just get him a little headset and let him move around? No. We, we try, so we can't do like a little collar mic because it just rubs up against his beard. <laughs> and he does, he, he likes to like cover his mouth with his hands like he's just doing right now. Um, yeah, he's he's an enigma, but you know. That's, I can't hold still for very long. It's true. It's true. Um, so yeah, if you are. Oh, wait, one more, one more. Oh, what you we got? got it in today. This is a game everybody's got to go look up because I don't know a ton about it. But it's a Kickstarter that we backed called Empire's End. It's a brand new one from Brotherwise Game, and it showed up earlier today. Ryan put it up there. Yeah. And it, I, I, I haven't got a chance to watch a full video on it. It looks like it's a game, like an empire-building game similar to Civilizations or maybe even a little Seven Wonders. But the twist on it at the end is every round there is a disaster that happens, and you can bid on to bid your way out of that disaster happening to your civilization as it goes along as well. Ooh. But it does hit somebody's civilization. Interesting. And, so, and it wipes out your cards that you've been working towards. So I, I kind of want to get it on the table and see what the heck is going on with this one too because yeah. I was, I'm so intrigued by watching the Kickstarter um, and then talking about that your your the disasters are going to happen. And, and it's almost like... If you bid your way out of it this time, you might not have enough money to be able to bid your way out of it next round. So at some point, you might have to take the disaster happening to you and how you deal with it and move through it. Sounds like that could be the keys to the game. That's fair. The yeah. box art was gorgeous, so... Yeah, it was just a, it was just something different that... Um, like a completely different approach to things. So those are kind of like a lot of times the games that I want to try out too. Very cool. Well, very, hopefully, very affordable uh, addition to your table as well at thirty nine ninety nine. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Uh, maybe next time we'll be able to have a little bit of review. Maybe we could have gotten that on the table. I will just say, are the bones on New Hotness for sale? I'm assuming not. <laughs> no, they're just okay. Halloween decorations I, all over the place. Yes, I was just finding bones as I was walking around the store, and I was just like, either something terrible has happened here, or we are already themed up. So we're, yeah, we're getting there. I mean, well, the Halloween trick or treat is in like three days yep yep this weekend so we we're getting ramped up for halloween um and feel free to dress up come downtown for the halloween trick-or-treating it's on friday the 27th it goes from five until eight um most of us will be uh decked out ourselves i don't know are you wearing anything that day you you won't even be here for the trick-or-treating oh Uh, i guess not I'll come dressed up anyway. As I say, you're normally out the door by like four thirty or five on Fridays now, so Will Ryan's come as Ryan's? Um, Ryan's usually comes as a witch. Okay. Yeah. 
and then right after that, so then we got a kind of a chill weekend going on, other than the fact that uh, we're hoping that the uh, the festivities at the bars around us don't overflow into our area, because it is Halloween weekend and it has been raucous, uh, and I am too old to participate in said raucousness now. That's fair. But then the other big thing we're ramping up for is coming down. The, there's a ton of pre-releases for every game system that's out there, including Pokemon. <laughs> John's joke is there's always a Pokemon release coming oh, up. I feel like we missed one last week, I but mean, I'm sure it was there. Yeah. But, I mean, Pokemon's have – everybody's trying to get their stuff out for the fourth quarter, right? So we've got a Pokemon, a Magic, a One Piece, a Digimon, a My Hero Academia – a Force of Will, and a Lorcana release all coming up in like the next three weeks. Which is terrible. And by the time this podcast goes live, I should have all the stuff done and published for the Useport Game Auction. It's coming Yay! back. It's coming back. November 11th, it's coming back. So for those of you that are listening that have things that have been sitting on your shelf that you are not playing anymore and you want to turn them into store credit to buy new things that you will play with your friends, because and you will hold your friends hostage until they play said games with you, <laughs> then the used board game auction is your opportunity to bring things in and turn them into store credit, and then also find things from other people that they haven't been playing. So you never know what's going to come up. Spread the love. Because I taught all you guys how to play Formula Day. Yeah. Because I have the original French version of it, Formula Day. And I got all those maps that went with it, uh, 14 maps at the board game auction, I think in like 2017. And that was an amazing purchase. And it was somebody that just never played the game anymore, never got around to it. And I loved that game. I saw so many people how to play it. I, I absolutely loved it. It is the next step up from um, the other racing game that I absolutely loved, um, Downforce. Down, Downforce. 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 Uh, yeah, absolutely love it. Maybe that's where we'll see Invisible Sun. Maybe it'll come like a haunted element, like a Goosebumps narrative, and that's how finally one of us will see the Invisible Sun. Uh, I just want to say I am so proud because uh, I actually transitioned us into what's going on in the story next week without actually having to do transition. I feel like my job here is done. <laughs> I'm no longer needed. I have taught you the cadence, but we'll see if I'm back in the next episode. But for now... We want to thank you for joining us, and our episode is coming to a close. Uh, I'd like to thank the staff members who joined me today, and if you want your chance to talk about your tabletop with them, come and find us at redraccoongames.com, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois, which you can't see this because we are not a visual medium, but Ryan's is modeling our brand new hoodie. Oh, it's true. Yes. Uh, we have these adorable uh, retro adventures uh, drawn by one of our... Um, Alex Warren. Yeah. And he's he wants to, to be become a... Alex is on the path. He wants to become a children's illustrator. Aww. Children's book illustrator. Yeah. So it's it's super cute. You should absolutely get one. Is it called uh, the party or party time? Party time. Party time. If you see, look for it on the website, it's called party time. There is a really cute beholder on the back of it that I absolutely adore, and the hoodies are made with the premium quality that if you are used to the old black and gray hoodies with the thumb holes and the premium um, drawstrings, erlets. Erlets. 
Erglets. I thought that was for shoes. Is it also for hoodies? Or is that the same thing? At the end of the string. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. But those are they're nickel on these ones. Uh, there's also a small pocket inside of one of the pockets that you could put AirPods into or change or anything like I was that. Told that that is officially the dice pocket. The dice pocket. Yes. That checks out. Uh, I would say that this is the the last hoodie that was made in this style and with this quality is one of my most treasured possessions. Um, I only bring it out for special occasions. Even Jamie noted it the other day and was like, ooh, that's a classic. And uh, yours is pristine, too. Uh, I've been treating it I so well. I know. Rest told me. White oil paint. It won't come out. It's gone forever. Do you have any turpentine? Kelly washed it and dried it. I was like, oh. Up until that point, it was, res- re- it was probably I could have recovered it with enough turpentine. Not if she dried it. She baked it in. It's permanently. Rip. Yeah. But good news, brand new hoodies, amazing art, and happy to see them. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank Jillian Messner for the use of our theme music, and feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice, or come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com. And I cannot stress this enough, we love hearing you guys on Discord. Uh, we've been able to talk post there a few times. Me some new good dead jokes that I can tell of the yeah. store because I, I love getting people while they're standing in line and they can't go anywhere. It just hurts. It hurts to work the floor and you just hear Jamie. As <laughs> as Ryan was exclaiming earlier, Jamie's voice just breaks any other sound in the area. And so when you hear Jamie say, you want to hear a joke, the groan comes out of you before he even begins. I always preface it when I say, do you want to hear a bad joke? That doesn't make it good. You realize that doesn't validate it. Yes, they asked for it. It's true. Join us on Discord, apparently, to see all of the dad jokes that Jamie is going to be telling people. And just ignore whatever I said that you should be putting on Discord. (laughs) Because you only listen to Jamie. Uh, But also, we have some really nice conversations. Uh, We've talked about great podcasts that we also listen to that are narrative and spooky, that are perfect for the season. what your question was. Yeah, exactly. It's a game Jamie. show night. The game show night. The the D and D game show night. It's not a game show. It's like a it's like the moth podcast where we just tell stories and Do enjoy we, each other's company. When somebody tells their story, we all snap. I think that open mic night for D and D. That's kind of what I'm going for. <laughs> I'm just wondering if people would come. That's all I'm saying. Um, also, it could be a great event. Like we could have wristbands where it's like if you are a DM and you don't have a party, or if you want to play and you don't have a DM or something like that, we can make this happen. That's cute. Yeah, yeah. It's it's bring the community like a together. Mixer, but for for tensions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course. Uh, we are always willing to hear from you if you just come in the store and ask around for one of us. Uh, we enjoy having these conversations. That's why we work here. But until next time, keep playing. Roll them dices, babies! <laughs> Woo!